This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Oh, wait a minute. Collar and Gessling in Purple Podcast. Ben, tell me that you miss it. Do you miss it? Very much so. You think about it at night? Not at night. I mean, I have other things going on. Throughout the day? Yeah, occasionally. There's going to be lots of football today, Ben. Yes. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? He was running a normal, regular read option drill, non-contact, went down, trainers came over, didn't think it was anything severe, got up, the team did not grasp the gravity of the injury at the time, nobody thought it was a season ender according to the people who were at the practice. Matthew Collar and Ben Gessling in for Mackey and Judd today, and Ben, there are injuries all the time in football. Very few feel like you got kicked in the face when they happen. And when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, it felt that way for a lot of people. For me, yesterday with Deshaun Watson, it was depressing that Deshaun Watson went down with a non-contact injury in practice, yeah. which sounds familiar. Yeah, it does. It sounds very familiar, and the impact is is similar. I'm probably worse because you don't have time to go make a trade for a quarterback that hasn't played any games in the season yet. You're... You're past the trade deadline now, and and uh, you're kind of stuck. So yeah, certainly a a pretty big blow, and a guy that was fun to watch. I mean, it added some uh, some life to a team that I I thought for a while should be more relevant than they've been. Deshaun Watson was the Tom Petty of football quarterbacks because we could all agree that he was great, and we all liked him. Find me a person who says, "No, I hate Tom Petty." You can't. I, I mean, I don't hate Tom Petty. I. Uh, I was not the biggest Tom Petty fan in the world. You don't I, have to be all in on Tom Petty, but I've never met someone who said, nah, just not into his music, don't like him, or had some beef nah, with him. I, I wouldn't go there. I, I would say, yeah, I, I, I like some of it, but uh, it would, certainly was not a, uh, like, oh, I can't stand him. Okay, but, I know you're a music guy, but play yeah. along with me. All here. right. Everyone in the NFL liked Deshaun Watson. Yeah. From going from winning the national championship with Clemson and then the debates over whether he was a good NFL prospect or not and the fact that he came out slinging it and uh, immediately had this pocket presence and this gamerness to him. I think just a likable guy. And uh, the video came out after the hurricanes of him donating his game checks, which, you know, I mean, as a first-round pick, he's probably going to have a pretty big game check yeah. to give away to some team employees who are affected. Uh, and then his backstory, uh, the fact that Warwick Dunn, Way back in the day, had built a house for him. Yeah. After was it after Katrina, maybe or uh, yeah, something I, I, like that. They've had so many hurricanes to the Gulf. It's probably one of those. But right. So a cool backstory. A guy that everybody likes. He goes down and uh, 
that hurt my feelings yesterday. Yeah, you, you know, I remember talking to somebody from the Vikings at the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago when he was still in college, and he was like, you know who I really, really like was Deshaun Watson. And he's like, I know he's he's small and he doesn't necessarily project as the, the typical NFL quarterback, but he's like, this kid can win. He can make a lot of plays. And uh, he was right. And it's, uh, I mean, he's certainly a guy that, that had been a bright light in the league this year and uh, not good for the league to have another marquee player go down after there have been so many uh, to this point. Schefter tweeted out the list yesterday of just yeah. all the great players who have gone down and Andrew Luck announced out for yep. the season. And so every day, Ben, there's a new story about why the NFL can't get great ratings anymore. And there's a million reasons that you could talk about. Uh, it's been <laughs> politicized a lot. A bit. Uh, that probably annoys some people, but I don't think that that has a, a huge impact. There are probably a handful of people who say, I'm not watching that anymore because of whatever, you, whichever side you, you stand on. Uh, I think it's more that there are so many bad matchups because there are so many bad quarterbacks playing this year. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's it's gotten to a point where just because you have a good record does not necessarily make you a good team or at least not an entertaining team to watch. And when you have the number of quarterbacks in the games that are just not proficient and not interesting to watch it it makes it so that you spread yourself pretty thin and, and i think we'll get into it more later but you've now had two executives of the three over-the-air networks that uh, four over-the-air networks that broadcast games that have said uh there's too many matchups that yeah. we, that we're spreading ourselves too thin and this is hurting ratings I, everybody's sort of grasping at straws to figure out why the ratings have dropped and they're not accounting for the fact that People don't watch as much TV anymore because when you're a TV executive, you can't go out and admit that, right? Because right. then you're, you know, basically giving credence to the idea that you don't need my product. But you know, so you take that into it. But yeah, I, I do think that when you have the number of players that just aren't interesting to watch, it it hurts. I mean, because look at the other side of it. Look at the NBA. The reason the NBA has come back is why they have all of these interesting stars and the the quality of play, the quality of the headlining players has gone back up to a point where people say, I got to watch this. And, and that is not the case in the NFL, certainly at the quarterback position. Yeah. It, it's hurting him this year, especially with Watson, the most exciting young quarterback to watch. He goes down. Uh, Aaron Rodgers goes down. Andrew Luck is out for the season. How many quarterbacks are we down to now that you would pay to watch? And I mean, just I think that's what drives everything. I yeah. think it's matchups drive everything. Good games drive everything. If it's Dallas Cowboys and Green Bay Packers, when Aaron Rodgers was in, I watched that game. That had ratings that were right back up to where they usually were or better because it's Dak Prescott and the Cowboys against Aaron Rodgers, and it was a great was football a fantastic game. Fantastic finish, yeah, right? But you've got uh, Matt Moore against Josh McCown or something on a weekly basis. Yeah, no How thanks. many quarterbacks are left now with the injuries? I've gone through and tried to count this and come up with about six: Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Brady, Drew Brees, Brady's. Uh, we're already starting to fish. I Roethlisberger. still write down Roethlisberger, and I still write down Cam Newton, even though he's having a bad season. Yeah, yeah. But he can do great things. Matt Ryan qualifies for this, too. I mean, Carson Wentz, probably not enough of a name yet, but you know, maybe headed that way, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But after that, you're sort of already, you know, Going to the maybes and right. not sure's. Kirk Cousins, I Famous guess Winston hasn't so. been very good. Philip Rivers, nobody's ever watched. Alex so. Smith is playing extremely well. Yeah. I'm still not paying to see Alex Smith. 
Uh, but they're a good team, so they'll be involved in some good matchups. But I, I think that that is what is driving some of the, the lack of interest in these games. I mean, last night is a really good example of who's tuning in to see a McCown start on Thursday night yeah. football. McCown, Taylor, Thursday night football. Yeah, and, no, I'm good. And you know, people trying to hype up the Bills is a great story. Okay, I mean, they're 5-3 and three now. 5-2 yeah. and two going in. Okay, all right, okay. I mean, that's... That's an okay little story, it's I guess. It's a good story, but, but people want to watch interesting offenses. It's not bringing people in, and then Taylor was not very good either last night. So bad quarterbacks driving bad ratings, I think, more than anything else. Loose puck. Cullen scores! And they score again! Did he have a birthday this week? He did, last night. Huh. Or yesterday. I have heard that. Like it was oh, I Your sarcasm, man. A little bit. And now Cullen has a two-on-one with Ennis. Cullen carries in, across for Ennis, he scores! Well, I thought it was good. I don't know how big, how much we needed it. We would have probably not taken our foot off the gas in the in the third period, I, I think, if we hadn't got the big lead. But our first two periods were as good as two periods that we've played all year. Yes, they were, Bruce. The Minnesota Wild, uh, a really good game last night. Started out... Carey Price looked kind of indifferent early on, and that wasn't good for Montreal. But still, the Wild are uh, at the bottom of the Central Division, Ben. And I guess my question for you is, um, do you care about the Wild at the moment? Are you watching on a nightly basis to see if they get it back together? I think that they will and be competitive, especially with some of their players coming back. The problem that I always run into with this Wild team is... Okay, I love watching hockey, so I'm going to watch, but get, getting me to buy into them as a real what's contending team is tough. Yeah, I mean, that that is the issue, is what's the ceiling? We, we don't have any reason to think that it's going to be any higher than the last couple of years based on where their roster is and what they face in the division with you know, Chicago, Nashville, St. Louis. I mean, some of the teams that they've had to, to deal with over the years are not going away. So, I, I mean, yes, I, I'm interested in it. Yes, it, you hope that one of these years... They can turn the corner, you know, but uh, it's hard to to sit there and say, yeah, th- this is going to be a lot different than it was in the past. I, I just think it until they show you something that is markedly different and that probably takes a playoff run to, to b- spill over into the next year. I, I, I don't know that there's a lot of reason to feel like anything's going to be all that different. Where I get frustrated with this team is that I want to break down every aspect of it. And I know that Judd loves to. You know, complain about the lines. He was emailing me last night about drop passes. So if you wonder how obsessed Judd is with uh, the Minnesota Wild, that's how much that he wants to know if their drop passes are statistically efficient, uh, which they usually are. But I don't know for this team, but in general, that's aside from the point that I love to get into the minutia of hockey, the line changes, which goalies start when, all those things, and follow it on a night-to-night-to-night basis because I think it's fascinating what coaches do. I think Bruce Boudreaux is one of the best coaches in the NHL. But getting my engine started for this team is pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, it it certainly is going to be that way until, like I say, until they they do something that makes you think, okay, this is on the verge of of being a team that can make a run because – We've seen this. I mean, they they will be competitive. They will make the playoffs. They have good players. They have a they have money committed to good players that uh, pays them like great players and makes it so that they can't add other good players. And we've been over this. It, it's the same story, and it's going to be the same story until those guys retire, or I think until their contracts come off. Right? Don't those contracts outlive 
their uh, they outlive us. contracts and careers in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah. There's no way that Zach Parise is making it to the end of his contract unless he has really successful back surgery. Yeah, because we are. This is year six, year five. It was uh, summer of 2012, so right. the 2012, 2013 season. I guess it's probably year six. So we're we're less than halfway done with that thing. Uh huh. And as long as that contract and suitors to some extent, but Suter is a great player. Yes. But it, as long as they're on the books, it makes it very difficult to have any flexibility. And the thing that I come back to is they did those it, deals, and then a lockout hit two months later that changed the whole cap structure. Right. That's yeah. Bad timing. And, oh, and everybody saw the lockout coming. The the thing that I come back to is where's the star player that's going to drive you to greatness? Mm-hmm. I mean, even. Hey, Winnipeg is is pretty good this year. And I know that people out there aren't thinking about Winnipeg's great roster, but I mean, but if you look at it though, like they drafted number 2 overall, Patrick Lining is a great player. Mark Shifley had over 80 points last yeah. year. He's a phenomenal number 1 center. So you look at different teams in the league, Colorado's showing some uh some bite this year, Dallas. I mean, all these teams have top picks. Guy, Tyler Sagan, great great players that you want to watch uh, on a nightly basis. And with this team, your Nino Niederreiters and Mikel Granlins, they're good. And yeah. I like them as players, but are they in a playoff series beating teams that have the superstars? And it almost feels like until we actually see a playoff round victory that most people on the wild will basically say, wake me up when they win a playoff round. Yeah, I think that is probably true. And it's hard to... You know, go project that until it actually happens. Matthew Collar, Ben Gessling, we have a lot of Teddy Bridgewater to talk about. Ben, yes, we because do. Because why would we have the uh, beat reporter for the Star Tribune and myself, Winter Park every day, if we're not going to talk about Teddy Bridgewater? So the second half outlook, and uh, would love some phone calls on Bridgewater because Ben and I, even before the show here, were just talking about all the different things that uh, could happen with the Bridgewater situation. And whether you think he's a great quarterback, an okay quarterback, or not good is interesting. I think there are a lot of people on every part of that spectrum. I am, uh, in this case, if we were making it uh, left to right, if left was great quarterback and right was terrible quarterback, I am far left on this more than you. So let's talk about whether you believe in Teddy Bridgewater because everything is pointing to Bridgewater coming back. Would love some opinions on it. If you want to get on the phone, 651-646-8255 is the number. 651-646-8255. Do you believe Teddy Bridgewater is going to save this season for the Vikings? And by save, I mean make them a real Super Bowl contender with him coming back. Gessling and Collar here in for Mackie and Judd. Let's get back. Mackie and John are back on 1500 ESPN. I can't say enough about Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, not only what a phenomenal person he is, what a leader he is, but how hard he's attacked his rehab and wanting to prove that he can come back from such a devastating injury. So he's worked extremely hard. He's been practicing over these past couple weeks. We'll get another week to evaluate where he's at before we have to make a decision next Wednesday. Minnesota Vikings general manager Rick Spielman there. Collar and Gessling in for Mackie and Judd today. Would love some thoughts on Teddy Bridgewater, where you are on the Bridgewater spectrum. And, uh, Ben, every time we talk about Bridgewater, it seems that 
people come out from all areas of that spectrum. Some who think that Teddy is the answer, that he is the franchise quarterback, that he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And there are others that go far the other way and mm-hmm. don't believe in him at all. Where do you stand on the Teddy Bridgewater spectrum? I guess I am, well, I'll say it this way. I am further, the 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 spectrum you set up at the end of the last segment where left is Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. The far, far to the left is Tom Brady. Far to the right is uh, TJ Rubley. Somebody like, you know, Luke McCown. Yeah. Like somebody that is not going to make it. I am further to the left than I was, I think, in 2015. What I saw in the preseason last year before he got hurt really made me think, okay, this guy is starting to do some of the things that they've wanted to see. He's starting to get more confident throwing the ball downfield. He looks stronger doing it. I mean, he, when we've seen him this fall, he looks like he's bulked up mm-hmm. probably because that's all he's been able to do for a while. But, I still, I guess, I mean, to me, the great ones are the guys that when not everything is going right around them, they are so good and they are so much on a different level than what's happening around them. They're able to elevate the team and make up for a lot of the mistakes. That tends to be my definition of a great quarterback. And I don't know. It's possible he gets there. I'd still, I'm not at this point, based on what I've seen, ready to say that he's automatically going to get to a point where he's the guy that carries you. So I'm, I'm left of center. I think on this, I, I think I am more in his camp than I was previously. But I still don't know if he's going to be the guy that takes you to the promised land, even when his left tackle's hurt or he's missing a couple of receivers or he's down by 14 in the fourth quarter. I, I just don't know that he's going to be the guy that, that overcomes all of that on a consistent basis. For me, is what it takes to be a great quarterback. So I've been going back through 2015, and one thing that needs to be mentioned is if he's the same quarterback from 2015. We don't know how that's going to look when he actually gets back on the field, but everything that we hear from people in the locker room, other people who talk, uh, the national reporters. It all sounds like he will be ready to come back soon. It's just a matter of when and then if he's the same quarterback, if he's better, if he's worse, uh, it, how long it's going to take him to be the same quarterback again. We don't know any of that stuff. Um, but as far as how good he is, the reason that I go so far toward the Teddy Bridgewater is a franchise quarterback is when I look at the 2015 offense and all the things that were working against him, <laughs> TJ Clemming started all the games at right tackle, and it was yeah. bad. And Matt Khalil, <laughs> and Matt was Khalil not on the other either. side, right? I mean, you had basically two of the worst tackles in the NFL starting on your left and right side. Now, f- 2015 Khalil was better than 2014 Khalil, but it's, that's there a is no low bar to good clear. Khalil outside not, of the first year. In 2015, he did not go outside the stadium and knock the hat off of a fan's <laughs> head who was heckling him. So I guess that's progress. <laughs> oh, boy, Matt Khalil. Uh, I guess uh, they're not demanding excellence in Carolina either. No. Um, that was what he said in yes, the offseason yes. about the Vikings. Uh, it, it's weird that Riley Reef is demanding excellence of himself Been this quite year. quite good. Doing just fine. Uh but the, those were his tackles. I think that's a one place to start. Mm-hmm. In an offense of North Turners that required a good offensive line. Right. So he's getting pressured all the time. And being asked to make plays on the move all the time. Being asked to scramble all the time. And then the other elephant in that room, 
one Adrian Peterson, yeah. who they built the entire offense around. And there were home run runs from Adrian Peterson. There were many more minus threes. Famine, famine, feast yeah. was what Adrian liked to say, sort of. I, that's how it got written. That's not exactly what Adrian said. But um, it, yeah, it was, it was an interesting team because they ended up in the playoffs and they got on this great run, but... It sort of felt like all these mismatch parts. I mean, all the the Vikings offenses with Adrian Peterson always sort of felt like mismatch parts because they knew they needed a quarterback. They knew that they were only going to win if they had a quarterback to kind of be Adrian Peterson's equal. But in that situation, they were like, because Teddy in 2014, they started to build the offense around Teddy. And then mm-hmm. Adrian comes back in 2015. It's like, Teddy, okay, you're going to have to accommodate what Adrian wants to do because Adrian's not going to accommodate what you want to do. And then you have this offensive coordinator who wasn't really willing to adapt to the fact that his offensive line was terrible, and it was it was not a good situation. I I don't think Teddy has had a good situation. I think if he comes back, this is the best situation he's been in, both with the offensive line and the weapons around him. He has better receivers now mm-hmm. than he ever did when he was a starter. Stephon Diggs has progressed uh, when he's healthy, but Adam Thielen really has turned into... A guy that it's no longer like, oh, this is a cute story. Adam Thielen is one of the better receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you have a functional tight end in Kyle Rudolph. You have you know some other receivers that can make plays from time to time. And you have a coordinator, I think, that is using all those parts more effectively than Norv Turner ever did with the Vikings. So it, I would be very curious to see what Teddy does in this setting, provided he's healthy, which from the people I've talked to, it sounds like, everything is all systems go people are, are pretty optimistic that that he's going to be okay the, the question i have too though is when do you make this move mm-hmm. do you make this move given the fact that you're six and two that case keenum has been able to run your offense I, I don't think case keenum is going to get you into a deep playoff run if you make the move for bridgewater it's for the ceiling not for necessarily what you're doing now but at the same time it would be odd when you're going into this stretch of your schedule to say, all right, now's the time that we're going to put in a guy that hasn't played in 14 months, wouldn't it? Is there anyone who thinks that Case Keenum should just be the quarterback for the rest of the year? No, I I don't think it's that. I, I think the question is, when do you do it? I mean, do you do you let Keenum lose a game? Do you do you want Teddy in at home? Uh, you know, the, the turf at FedEx Field is not the greatest thing ever. And that's a team that blitzes a lot. I mean, do you, well, the Rams aren't an easy team to play either. I mean, the, the, the schedule does make the timing a little bit difficult of when you bring Teddy back. But, uh, yeah, if you're making this move, it's for the upside, I think, of of Teddy being able to take you farther than Case Keenum could. 651-646-8255. I want some opinions on Teddy Bridgewater. Where are you on the Bridgewater spectrum? Do you see yourself as believing Bridgewater is your franchise quarterback and there are no other questions? Or are you still skeptical or do you, would you rather go with Case Keenum? If there is a person who has that opinion, that you just want to see Keenum as the quarterback the rest of the way, I'm interested in that argument. I personally can't make that argument because I think he had one really wild, crazy great game against the NFL's worst pass defense that's just a complete disaster yeah. in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And they were and, missing like three linebackers too. And since then, 
He's averaging six and a half yards an attempt. It's been a lot of screen passes. It's been a lot of scheming to find ways to have a passing game. And then he hits Adam Thielen wide open in the end zone. He's done the things that you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. as a quarterback. He hasn't wrecked your chances. Kept him afloat. But I think a big part of it, too, with his success is the fact that the defense has gotten to face some pretty soft quarterbacks. Yeah. And that's helped them a lot, and that's not going to continue in the second half. Uh, let's go to Mike here. Uh, Mike, you're on with Collar and Gessling. What's Hi, up? Mike. Hey, guys. What's hey, up? Uh, quick, quick question for you. So with Watson going down with a non-contact injury, it kind of got me thinking. Teddy had a non-contact injury. I know RG3 had a non-contact injury as well. Is there something to these really lean, kind of lanky quarterbacks and getting you know, ACL tears and, you know, injuries. I have no idea why so many people keep hurting their ACLs, but it seems to happen all the time in this sport. I mean, I think just the number of cuts and violent movements that you make. I mean, Delvin Cook isn't a tall. I appreciate the call, Mike. Uh, Delvin Cook isn't a tall and lanky guy, and he was just making a cut, and whoops, there goes your ACL. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, Mike, one thing to point out, too, is that, the research has shown on turf fields that you are more likely to tear your ACL mm-hmm. than you are on grass. And and most teams now are playing on field turf. Certainly the Vikings are at home. And, and I think that is one factor. I, I don't know that, I mean, you, you make the point about lean quarterbacks. Somewhat I think there is that you these quarterbacks are, if if you're built that way, you're probably going to be a guy that runs a little more often which means the more you run, the more you're cutting, the more you're putting yourself probably at some risk of planting and then trying to cut off of that, which is typically how ACL injuries happen. I mean, Dalvin Cooks was such a textbook example of Mm -hmm. how you see that where he plants and you can see the knee buckle and that's it. But when you're doing that on turf, that has been proven to be more conducive to ACLs than than grass. So, I mean, I I think some of it, there may be a correlation just in the sense that these types of quarterbacks are going to run more often and then you put yourself at more of a risk. I've never read anything that has an answer for how to solve this, for for how ACLs are not going to go out. You know what it feels like? It feels like pitchers and the Tommy John. I mean, it's kind of got that same feeling that you get excited about a pitcher and then whoops, then their UCL goes out and uh, now we've got to wait for a really long time. Let's, uh, Let's get Fred in here before the break. What's up, Fred? Yeah, good morning. Uh, where's Bradford in this discussion? <laughs> oh, great question. I mean, I think everybody would like to know when Sam Bradford is going to be able to come back. But as far as I can tell, Ben, from what the GM said the other day, which yeah. is, we hope he's back. And the national reports are that he's not making progress. We don't see him around very often. He's you saw- been in a lot of specialists. You saw him in London. Yeah, so basically here's what I saw in London. They got off the bus to practice the last day in London at uh, a rugby training ground. Players are dressed as they get off the bus in their cleats ready to go practice. Bradford comes off the bus going the opposite direction of the rest of the team. He's in street clothes. We're walking over saying, okay, well, we know the starting quarterback (laughs) is not going to be on Sunday. But he's been seeing specialists a lot. There's there's been a lot of attempts to try to figure out what's going on what's going to get him better. If it's just an injury that, that happened during a game where he twisted his knee and got into a bad spot, you wouldn't think it's going to be this long. And and all of that suggests this is something that they don't necessarily know how to fix right away. So where he is in the discussion, I, I think if they got him healthy, he's in it. But I think there's becoming a belief in the organization that we're not sure how much we can trust the guy. So 
I don't know that he's going to be a big part of the mix. I certainly think Bridgewater plays before Bradford does. If I had heard anything that indicated Bradford could be back even this season, because it just seems like, I mean, there was the Jay Glazer report that it could even be career-threatening. They don't think it is, but it's got that possibility. I mean, it's just hard to put him as part of the equation for what's going to happen in the second half of the season when there's nothing... Or in the future. Yeah, right. You can't sign him now. Right, because he's he's a free agent after this year. They all are, all three of them. How often does that happen? So that means... I said to someone yesterday, well, this obviously means that Drew Brees will be the quarterback of the Vikings next year. Kirk Cousins. Because that's history and tradition of finding old, you know, elite quarterbacks. Yep. Right, we'll take a break. I want, I'm, I'm still, I've got a stat for you about 2015 Teddy that might push you a little farther toward my side, Ben. And I, and I want to hear from more people. Got a tweet on Case Keenum. Got a couple, I think. Okay, then. And we'll read some of those. Are you a Teddy Bridgewater believer? Where do you stand on bringing him back? And do you think that he's a franchise quarterback once they do? Uh, 646-8255 is the number. Collar and Gessling in for Mackey and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Truly outrageous, egregious, and offensive. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Matthew Collar, Ben Gessling. Very Vikings-y Friday here to you. Hopefully uh, it warms you up in the cool weather to hear Teddy Bridgewater talk. It's, gets the heart warm, right, Ben, to hear that he's coming back? Uh, no? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, great be story. a great story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, we've been taking calls, getting your tweets as well about Teddy Bridgewater and where you stand on the Teddy spectrum. The number 651-646-8255. Very interested to hear how uh, maybe excited is not quite the word, but confident that you are that Bridgewater can make this team a real contender. And Ben, you got a tweet from one person at least that doesn't want to see Case Keenum benched when Bridgewater is ready. Uh, yeah, he uh, Jacob said, stick with Keenum until he gets injured or starts losing. Give Teddy time to get back up to speed. I guess that is probably about where I would land on it. I, I don't think you run Teddy out there necessarily against the Redskins. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that you wait. I mean, if they get to... See, this is where it's hard, because if they keep winning, if they're 9-2, and two, do you pull Keenum? I right. mean, it, that's where the, the politics get interesting, but... If you think, I mean, I suppose it's a little bit like Denver a couple of years ago where Osweiler was winning until they got Manning back and they said, you know, probably inaccurately at the time with the Peyton Manning that was left, but they said, well, you know, this is the guy we think we can go all the way with. So maybe it's that, but I I think you at least give Keenum another week to to go out there and, and see how it goes. Let's go to Craig here. You're on with uh, Collar and Gessling. What's up, Craig? Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, my thought process is 2014, I think the last four or five games of that season, he had the highest QBR in the league, and that was with some pretty limited talent. So I, I think he, he has the ability already showing that with average um, talent, he can make a team competitive on a game-by-game basis. 2015, towards the end of the year, he really was starting to click. Arizona, Chicago games in particular, and he was sensational. And then the injury hit, right? So... If he's really healthy, if he's ready to go, I pull the trigger now. I mean, what are you waiting for? The guy, you know, he has it in my eyes anyway. Appreciate the call, Craig. Uh, I think I'm with you, Ben, that I'm not quite ready to do it yet because I think if you can be patient that you are in a situation where you can be. And Washington on the road is a winnable game with your defense and with Case Keenum, I think. Especially Especially given the fact 
who Washington might be starting <laughs> at left tackle. T.J. Clemens. Yep. Good luck nice against Everson Griffin. Nice to see you again, TJ. Yeah, Everson uh, Griffin will be very excited to see you again. Uh, so he's playing shorthanded there, yeah. and I think that's a winnable game with Case Keenum. Uh, then you face the Rams. I do not want him facing the Rams. No. Uh, I got a, got a tweet from fake Mike Zimmer, so not the real Mike Zimmer. I don't think the real Mike Zimmer's on Twitter. I'm going to guess no. Uh, just about the Rams and bringing him back at home. And I like The real the, Mike Spielman's on Twitter, though. We do know that. We do know that, yes. He follows all of us. He won't tell us who he is, but... Uh, he did My men- kingdom for the guy that can figure out which account Rick Spielman has. He did mention that to me the He's other day. He's mentioned it a few times. <laughs> he likes to tell us that all the time. Uh, it's very cute. Because uh, Everson Griffin retweeted something that I wrote about his scouting report from Todd McShay yep. way back when. Yep. Um, anyway, so fake Mike Zimmer wants him back uh, against the Rams. I don't want him back against that defensive line of the Rams. I think it works out really well to have him play on Thanksgiving because it's a short week for everybody. But if you decided, and this goes back to the comment from Jacob, where Jacob says, well, let's wait till Case Keenum is bad. Here's the reality about Case Keenum. He's Case Keenum. He'll be bad. He could be bad in in the first or second quarter. We've seen a little bit of that, too. It will happen. Or he'll be he'll be mediocre, just just good enough to win with great defense. What you know is that he's just a capable backup. This is a long sample of Case Keenum in the league to prove you he's just a capable backup. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to wait till I just see that backupiness. Uh, you know, right? Right. Like, right. I, I know that's coming. That you made a great comparison with the Manning and, and Osweiler thing. Yeah. They knew Manning was a better option. Yep. And I think I would still argue that he played much better Manning when he came back from the injury. So you know who the better option is. You know who the better quarterback is. What you should have is a plan and a date and stick to that. So here's here's an interesting idea that Matt brings up on Twitter. He, he tweets, I don't want to see Keenum lose, but I'd like to see Teddy when Case becomes less accurate slash effective. Mop up slash end of games. I... I don't love that idea just for the the fact of I think you you put a guy in that you think is going to be your starting quarterback in at the beginning of a game, but it does it is one way to get at that what you're talking about where Case Keenum comes out and has issues, and but although Case Keenum's issues are usually early in games, he's been better in the second half. But that is an interesting thought. I mean, what do you think of that idea of waiting until Keenum struggles to bring well, in the, you, Bridgewater? You, you, you make him active and then. Because I think part of the reason they're rushing so much to get him back, we should also pay attention to the fact that they could have waited longer to get him practicing and not dealt with this weird scenario where they're making some of their evaluation during the bye week. Yeah. To me, the fact that they went as quick as they did tells you they want him back as soon as possible or they want him to be an option as soon as possible. And, and one of the reasons they want him to be an option could be that, well, okay, Sam Bradford's not ready. We don't want to have to go to Kyle Sloter right. if right. something happens with Case Cam. Yeah. Well, I think he'll be active for the Washington game would be my guess. I would tend to think that as well. They will bring him off the pup list and yep. they will put him they will make him active. He'll be on the 53. And, and I don't he'll know be if he'll the backup. Be on the, Unless on the game day roster. I don't like the idea of throwing him into the fire in the middle of a game. I, I want him to be able to prepare to be the starter for a particular yeah. game. I want you to circle a date on the calendar and you say because you're 6 and 2, you can do this. It's like don't bring in a relief pitcher with a guy on base. Right. Give him a clean inning. He has to be able to start and prepare and be ready for that game and focus on that game. He's coming back from being away from the NFL for it'll be 15 months. Yeah, I I don't think it's a just it's not just your routine. Well, he broke an ankle and he's out for a few weeks. We'll throw him back in if the other guy struggles. Let's go to uh, Mike here. 
What's up, Mike? Hey guys, um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think. I think a lot of fans are a little bit delusional about how good Teddy actually is. It, you know, when he was playing and had been in practice, he had trouble throwing the long ball and even the mid range. You know, he threw those floaters or he misses misses receivers, and now he has better receivers. And I think they'd have to shorten their routes up quite a bit with Teddy in there. And being off for 15 months, I don't see how he's going to be any better at hitting the mid-range and long balls. I think he's going to have to take at least the rest of the year to to get back in the swing of things. So I don't think you're going to be able to throw him right back in there and and have him be average at best. So I'd I'd stay with Case for now. Thanks for the call, Mike. No, appreciate it. Um, the the deep ball thing, I just don't know what to say about that because uh, I don't think that it has the value that people put on it. Uh, and I think it has a lot to do with wide receivers. I think it has a lot to do with referees. Uh, yeah. I, I would not say that Teddy Bridgewater had the greatest deep ball that I've ever seen, but I, I don't think that that's what drives scoring and success. There was a stat that I ran across yesterday when poking around thinking about this topic that the Vikings were seventh in the league on the number of drives they scored on. They struggled in the red zone a lot because they tried to hand to Adrian Peterson every play. Yep, but they, including on like third and four. But they moved the ball and they produced points. And I mean, okay, not at the level that you might see from a Ben Roethlisberger who is going to throw those incredible deep passes. Um, but I, I also wonder how those deep passes would look with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen trying to win 50-50 balls. Here's my question, and I think Mike brought it up, you know, alluded to it. The the intermediate throws, to me, are... I agree with you that the deep ball thing is not as big of an issue as people make it, but intermediate throws, to me, are one of those things that timing and chemistry with your receivers and chemistry in your offense is going to depend on. And he's played with Stefan Diggs, he's played with Adam Thielen a little bit, but... It's been quite a while, and it hasn't been in this offense. I I do wonder a little bit how his timing will be with those guys. Yeah, yeah that's a good question. And uh, just how effective he'll be making those types of throws, because those are the things that really depend on having all of that time in the offseason, having the OTAs, having training camp that, that these guys have not had with him now. That I mean, how much of that can you get back on the fly would be more of my question, I think, with Teddy than anything else. Can I make another point, too, sure. um, about Bridgewater? If you get a 20-yard throw because you made a really great read and mm-hmm. you threw it short to the fullback, that's the same as launching it 20 yards down the field. Yeah, it's and just not as aesthetically pleasing. I just I called this up, this stat, that uh, Bridgewater had 41 plays of 20 or, uh, 20 or more yards, 41 pass plays, and he only threw 447 passes in 2015. So his one of every ten was going for twenty yards or more. I mean, it wasn't like every pass was just this two-yard checkdown that wasn't going anywhere. And but I think you make a, a great point that in order to put him back in, they have to be sure that he's going to be on the same page with his wide receivers yeah. because this offense does have a lot to do with timing. But I also think about how the offense could expand. It's already good with a guy who can't throw into any tight windows. The the passes don't always look like laser beams, but man, he throws people open. Yeah. That's the that's the difference between him and Keenum. Keenum has to throw to an open guy and hit him where Bridgewater can throw when the guy isn't open and then will be when he catches. Him. Well, the the thing with Teddy though is that 
the 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 piece that you wanted to see before he got hurt last year, and he started to do more of it. But I mean, they talked a lot about we want to see him turn it loose, and yes, that meant downfield, but that also meant not being so worried if I throw it into a tight window and it gets tipped and I throw an interception every once in a while. There was a lot of that talk before last season, wanting him to kind of take the take the reins off a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think he has the talent to do more of that, but there are times where they felt like he was too careful as well. So I, I think that's one of the things he would have to to be ready to do if he comes back in there. Well, in this offense, it might work to be careful because you have such a great defense. By the way, speaking of those deep balls and how they can be overrated, in 2015, Blake Bortles led the uh, NFL <laughs> in 20-plus yard throws, and he's not good at all. Let's go to uh, Joe. You're on with Collar and Gessling. What's up, Joe? Guys, good morning. Uh, I think we need to start putting these quarterbacks in bubble wrap for practice. Sean <laughs> Watson yesterday. Yeah. That, that's, that's killing me. I feel so bad for that guy. Um, so I have two sayings that really apply here, in my opinion. One would be, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. And the other one would be, always be prepared. So, uh, Case by no means is Tom Brady or anywhere near that level, but he's getting the job done. And that's where the don't broke, if it's not broken, don't fix it mentality comes from, in my opinion. You ride the hot hand. I mean, it's very obvious what his flaws are. It's also pretty obvious what he's doing well. So you just you continue to game plan and strategize and use him. But, you didn't use, but then you're prepared, of course, for when the shoe drops and it's become evident that maybe he's run his course and it's time for him to sit for a while and, and kind of gear up to be the backup and be ready to come back in again. Whether that's Teddy or not, I don't know. Um, I, I love Teddy. I mean, I think everybody in this whole state loves Teddy. They love the story, his mom, his personality. He's still kind of an unknown entity to some degree. He's very known, but there's a lot of unknown. And I just, for me personally, uh, appreciating Teddy, uh, I have a hard time thinking about putting him in after he's missed all the OTAs, all the training camp, all the practice, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now three weeks in, we're going to put him back in there in the middle of a – uh, a, a drive to win our division and make it to the playoffs. That scares me to death for our sake and for his sake as well. Um, so, and, and the reality is that for the Vikes in general, as much as they love Teddy, the future really is on the line. Uh, and you know, we, a few weeks ago, there was talk about Kirk Cousins and what next year's quarterback situation looks like. I don't think there's any attachments to anybody right now mm-hmm. at all. It's just a matter of figuring out how do we get through this year and be successful and then let's reboot and see what happens next year. So I know I said a lot. Hopefully you can break that down, but that's that's where I'm at. All right, thanks, Joe. Really good call. Appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit more about the case for case. And the reason that I would be okay with him just being benched for Teddy, and if it doesn't work out, you can always bring back in case. But we'll talk a little bit more about that. i got some more calls to take as well. On the Teddy Bridgewater spectrum, where do you stand? Are you a believer in Bridgewater as the franchise quarterback, that he is going to make this team a Super Bowl contender? Or do you have some skepticism about Bridgewater coming back? 651-646-8255, the number more your calls. When we come back, Collar Gessling in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. We return on 1500 ESPN. Show your gratitude this Veterans Day at O'Gara's with 1500 ESPN and CenturyLink. Garage Logic will be broadcasting live from O'Gara's in St. Paul next Friday, November 10th from 1 to 3 p.m. Powered by CenturyLink. During that broadcast, all veterans are invited to enjoy a free meal and 25% of sales will be donated to local military charities serving our troops. More details at 1500ASPN.com, keyword events.
Thank you, Dave. Matthew Collar and Ben Gessling in for Mackie and Judd. Dave Harrigan producing, as always. Uh, got a lot of tweets coming in about the Case Keenum, Sam Bradford. Oh, sorry. Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford situation. Uh, Sam Bradford, at least at this moment, kind of out of the equation. So, sorry, Sam. Uh, I understand why that call comes in, but until we think he's actually going to play, then it's it's hard to put him in the conversation. Uh, taking your calls on where you stand on the Teddy Bridgewater spectrum. Uh, one tweet from Dennis. Stop the madness, Ben. I'm tired of your madness. What madness uh, are we supposed to? Bridgewater stop? still has a lot to prove before he was injured. He needs to earn the starting job back in the offseason. Hmm. Like, this upcoming offseason where he's not under contract? Yeah, that's a little tricky. Well, um, unless the thing tolls. That's the other piece of this thing that makes it so interesting. That it, that would be a little tricky. Which Rick Spielman just flat out said, not going to talk about the tolling thing the other day when he was asked. So I don't really know what to do with that. But I don't think it's going to toll. I think there's going to be a way around that. Uh, but We could probably make a, a short, fairly concise list of the things Rick Spielman will talk about. <laughs> Yeah, we cer- certainly found that out the other day. Uh, Jason, thanks for hanging on. Uh, you're on with uh, Collar and Gessling. What's up? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Doing good. Good. So my answer, is, admittedly, is a little bit generic. But I think I leave it up to the coaches. You know, I don't necessarily have that, hey, he's got to play two weeks from now or whatever that date is. If he's healthy, and you check that box, if he's outperforming case in practice, I let him out there until he – does or if he's still rusty and needs to shake that off, I keep Case a starter. What do you think, Ben? Well, here's Thanks, my Jason. It, it, Jason, you raise an interesting point there. My my only question with the practice scenario, and I was thinking about this before the break. When you are making decisions in the NFL about who your starting quarterback is going to be, you almost, despite what they say, you have to make a lot of those earlier in the week because the way practice reps get broken up, the starter gets probably 80 to 85% of the first team reps, maybe more than that in some cases. So if you are making a decision in the, in the later part of the week, the guy that you are preparing to start is not getting as much of the work in practice. And if you're preparing to start Teddy Bridgewater, who hasn't played a game in 14 months of any significance, hasn't played a game of great significance since January of 2016, I would think you're going to want to give him all the practice reps that you possibly can to get him ready to go. So in a lot of ways, I think if you are making a decision on Bridgewater, you're probably making that earlier in the week than they're going to tell us. They're certainly going to play that out because they want the the shell game to go on until Friday or possibly even Sunday. But I think in a lot of ways, how they structure practice is going to dictate it. And I think with Bridgewater, you probably have to make that decision earlier in the week simply because he hasn't had the time and you're Mm -hmm. going to want to give him as much as possible to go with it. So that that does make that possibility that you raised a, a little tricky to pull off. That's where I say circle a date on the calendar yeah. and stick to it. Yeah, I don't hate that idea. Kevin on Twitter brings up a good point that if you just keep rolling with Case until something goes wrong, uh, if he's not playing well and yet you win a couple of games because of defense, you might be looking at it going, well, how do we take out the quarterback yeah. when we're 9-3? and three? Uh, Collar and Gessling in for Mackie and Judd. Uh, 651-646-8255. Where do you stand on the Teddy Bridgewater uh, spectrum? Do you think he's the franchise QB, or are you skeptical? Richie Incognito had something really interesting to say about Thursday night football games that we want to uh, get into when we come back. Collar and Gessling, in for Mackie and Jeff.